Amazon's Trojan horse. Did Uncle Bezos just turn our home Wi-Fi into his new free wireless network? It appears so, but the big question is how? Professor Bryant Walker-Smith from the University of South Carolina School of Law joins us. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. It's always a privilege to be here with you. We have another terrifying tech episode today, but first, we need to thank our sponsor for their generous support, Noda. Noda is powered by M&T Bank because you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of Noda, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Visit trustnota.com forward slash legal to learn more. And that's Nota spelled N-O-T-A as usual. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay, let's say hello to our guest, Professor Bryant Walker-Smith from the University of South Carolina School of Law. Welcome to the show, Professor. Thanks, Lawrence. Great to be here. Absolutely. No, thank you for being here. I wanted to uh, give you the origin story of this episode. So uh, our producer, Molly McDonough, she's a great producer. She sometimes gets a little scared of technology. And so she sent me this link, <laughs> wanted to do an episode on the show. And so I saw, oh, Amazon Sidewalk sounds rather pedestrian. But then I, I, I've been trained. Unintended. I know, absolutely. But uh, no, I've been trained. You know, uh, Molly sends me something. It's always going to be interesting. I just didn't know how interesting it was going to be. And so I, I got an eye opener there. But uh, before we start talking about this Amazon sidewalk project coming from Amazon, you know, you're a pretty busy guy. You know, in addition to being a professor of law at the University of South Carolina, you're also a professor at the School of Engineering. You do a little bit of affiliate scholar work at different institutions. So you're at the Center for Internet and Society at Stanford School of Law, and you co-direct the University of Michigan Project on Law and Mobility. And I guess whenever you have free time, you do some publishing at newlypossible.org. So I guess, Professor, you're a man of all parts. What, uh, tell us about your day. What do you do? Oh gosh. I, I tell people that I get to spend my time doing whatever I think is the most interesting and important. I love it. And that's, that's everything from, from thinking about new issues, what I call the law of the newly possible, how technology affects law and how law affects technology, but also helping my students and others think through these issues themselves so that they can go on uh, and, and really lead the way on, on these issues. Uh, I teach, for example, tort law to about a third of South Carolina lawyers. Oh, wow. Which is a great privilege and a great responsibility. I, I sure hope I'm not teaching anything wrong because, you know, God help our, our state. <laughs> well, excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll transition over to our Amazon sidewalk topic for the day. And so, like I said, Professor, what, after I read this, I was uh, quite alarmed. And so uh, just as a brief recap here. So this Amazon Trojan, side- Trojan horse, you said in the introduction, I, I, had to, I had to laugh if, you know, if it's a Trojan horse, we let that in years ago. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And I think it's an apt description. And so, you know, this this technology basically siphons off part of your Internet connection and provides it as part of this free network. So I guess let's start with this before we get into the policy questions, Professor. You know, Amazon Sidewalk, what is it actually intended to do? Because there's a design behind this. Yeah. So as, as you said, Lawrence, it's a new wireless network. I'm not sure if we would call it free, um, but it uses the internet connections of participants, as you said, knowing participants or otherwise, um, to serve smart devices that require minimal bandwidth. Right. So if you have any smart home devices, cameras, switches, appliances, your home router is already communicating with them. What Amazon Sidewalk does is potentially expands this range for select devices by creating a mesh, 
right? By linking these together under a different set of communication protocols, um, one device can talk to another to, to another. Um, so it can help to move us from smart homes to smart communities and smart worlds, right? You're no longer limited to, to the reach of your network. Now you can use the networks of your neighbors and in fact, others around the world. Now, eventually these devices want to talk to the larger internet. They don't just want to talk to themselves. And that's where it gets kind of interesting because sometimes this mesh will connect back to your home router and sometimes it will connect to someone else's. So functionally other people or other people's devices could be using a portion of your broadband and you could be a using a portion of theirs and Amazon will certainly be using everybody's who's, who's involved in this. The idea is that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? That's the sense of, of community, of collective. If, if we can share, we will expand all of, all of our good. That's the cool part. Now, the more concerning part, perhaps, is that Amazon would like to control this surplus, the, the difference between the whole and the sum of the parts. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of the, the public concerns and some of the interesting legal issues arise. Now, what was interesting to me is that uh, this technology uses a, a range of wireless technology. So it uses, uh, you know, Bluetooth, it uses Wi-Fi mm -hmm. and some others. Now, when I was reading, some of the range extends by as much as half a mile, uh, some dead spots that would previously not have Internet access. And so I guess, you know, in terms of how they create that, you know, just in terms of the list, you know, what kind of devices in your home are potentially subject to this technology? Yeah, so there are really three ways to think about it. What are the devices that will be linking back to your your router directly and that is enabling this? Um, what are the ones that will be participating in this mesh? And then what are the ones that will be using it? And so this, this initial, the one that's kind of most concerning is, is what are the core devices that Amazon is enlisting to enable this network to talk to the internet? Uh, and that's going to be a lot of Amazon's devices, including many of its Echoes, many of its Ring products, uh, though surprisingly not at least initially its Eero routers. Now these are, these are the enabling ones. Now the, the end devices, the ones that could be using it would be the devices that Amazon really lets on this network. Uh, so likely many of its own proprietary devices, right? Again, echoes, rings that might, that might benefit from this extended range. And then likely a number of third party products that, that partner with Amazon in the same way that we've seen smart home devices, right? Works with Amazon, works with Google, works with smart things. These, these networks of multiple companies that, that lock into one communication network, they're all speaking the same language. And that's really where a lot of the potential innovation could be as companies and others think about new ways to use this low energy, low bandwidth network to track things. That could be useful. That could be creepy um, to you know, expand the range of, of devices to to perhaps even better understand infrastructure and imagine being able to dump hundreds of sensors all around and know that these sensors will be able to communicate back to back to the world. Well, speaking of creepy, I had this follow up question about one of the devices I had read that uh, the, the Echo device for kids is included on this list. And so I just wanted to, to ask you that. Is that verified? Is that true? The, the Echo for children is also on this list of devices, part of this new network? 
Um, yeah, Amazon recognizes, I think, some versions of the EcoDot for kids will, will, will be part of that. And again, that's, that's a way of, of, of linking these devices back into, into the Internet. Um, I, don't, I don't find that on its own particularly uh, alarming. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I do. <laughs> so I decide those, <laughs> those children's products, uh, you know, get involved. You know, uh, I don't know. I just, I always kind of think twice about that. But uh, well, let's talk about- What the, about the children? Yeah, I always think about the children when it comes <laughs> to these things. But, uh, you know, adults <laughs> making decisions. It's one thing if we consensually agree to have a creepy spy in our house, but I don't think our kids signed up for it. But- uh, <laughs> Well, you know, the parents did buy the EcoDot for kids. I, I, <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I, <laughs> give some some notion of parental responsibility there. Well, here, um, here's the warning to the parents out there. This device does track on your kitty uh, kitty version of the Echo. So just be fair warned. But uh, let's talk about the bandwidth that's peeled away from this because it operates off the backbone of the bandwidth you pay for. And so, you know, uh, at Legal Talk Network, we have some pretty robust uh, internet connections. Even at our homes, we have some of us have home studios. And so any bandwidth peeled off is concerning to, you know, people that maybe work in media. And so how much, I mean, just give us an idea of the scale, how much are they peeling away from somebody's home internet connection to uh, boost up and bolster this network? Yeah. So Amazon says that Sidewalk will use up to 500 megabytes per month at a rate of 80 kilobits per second. So what is that? Hey, you know how the 90s are back in style? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it just occurred to me. Well, I guess this is this is a bit faster than the dial-up internet that dominated in the 90s. So maybe Amazon is like bringing back the 90s. It's a bit slower than the internet on an old 2G flip phone. Uh, it's roughly comparable to the data transfer rate for this conversation we're having now, you know, if it were lower quality. And that means Sidewalk's total potential use is roughly equivalent to like maybe a dozen hours a month of dial-up internet, um, you know, a, roughly a dozen hours of, of this kind of, of low data conversation we're having. Um, net zero, by the way, if you remember them, will still give you 10 hours of dial-up internet every month for free. So in terms of perceived or economic value of that bandwidth, we're not talking a lot. Now, there, there's an important caveat, um, and I think you, you alluded to this. Many internet service providers offer upload speeds that are a fraction of their download speeds. And if Amazon uses this network for, let's say, data collection, for a lot of upload intensive activities, then those upload demands could actually matter more than the download demands. So the comparison that Amazon offers to, let's say, streaming high definition video, I think it's slightly misleading just based on, on eventually the, the split between this upload and download. Now, you mentioned, you mentioned that it's our bandwidth, right? Yes, it's our bandwidth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the ISP would like to say, the internet service provider would, would say it's theirs. So, you know, Amazon's certainly not cutting us a check. They're not topping up our Venmo account. They, Amazon would probably say that we're getting compensated in kind, right? I give some of my bandwidth and I take some of yours, like those leave a penny, take a penny containers at the cash register. It's all kind of a wash, at least on the whole. And you know, taking my legal hat off for a moment, there's something to be said for sharing, for talking about collective benefit rather than just individual benefit. The technotopiest in me kind of likes that idea. Well, the, the bill-paying part of me does not. And so <laughs> I want to get back to the, mm -hmm. the Trojan horse aspect of this because yeah. I would never – I mean, I, I know it's not a ton of bandwidth, ah. but I would never approve this on my network. And so I don't recall opting in on this. So when did all this happen? Because I don't remember signing up for it. Huh. So 
I kind of want to go back to what, what, what the beginning we were talking about Trojan horses. Um, it's true that in the old devices that you already own, Amazon has enabled this kind of sharing by default. Uh, and I get why as a matter of psychology or security or law, why automatically enabling it in these existing devices seems kind of creepy. It would be much more intuitive to offer it enabled by default in new devices that are that are sold for this purpose because we clearly know what we're buying into. On the other hand, I also understand how a default of opt-out that Amazon has chosen could scale this much quicker. You know the old adage, if you're the first person with a phone, who do you call? Or, you know, if you're the first person on Facebook, who do you friend? Well, a mesh network like this needs scale. So the quicker that Amazon can get all of the people who shrug and never think about it to participate, the better that they can get these benefits either to the collective or to them and their chosen partners. Now, I recognize that, uh, you know, this network is uh, fairly safe, but uh, in terms of the the type of data that's out there, I mean, we all know we're on the internet that potentially some of our personal identification information get out there. We do bill pay, we shop around, but, you know, this information is pretty unique to the devices that we welcome into our home consensually. So we bring in these devices with cameras on them. We bring in these devices that uh, you know, track some of our purchases or control some of our lights or our locks. So tell us about some of that vulnerable information. I realize it's secure, at least according to what they tell us, but walk us through some of the risks here. Oh, gosh. I think it all comes back to that technical question and less so the these policy questions. Right. So if you have a smart camera or a smart device, it is already connected to the Internet. Data is already flowing in all sorts of, of interesting ways. Uh, and it's a matter of policy and practice. What is shared? What is exposed? What is used? This network is is simply a way of, of expanding the reach of devices. So in, in that sense, it it does not constitute a, a new opening that otherwise would not exist. These these data are going to be available. Companies are going to have access. Now there are a few caveats. So first is is it's not clear that Amazon uh, in the existing smart networks is is necessarily one privy to these information and and Amazon by expanding its reach through a system like this uh, could potentially have access that it otherwise would not. The second is is security is not an absolute and and so when and how might this fail? You know the adage keep it simple or keep it simple, stupid? Well, this isn't. This is a complex mesh network, which involves these devices communicating with other devices, and then all of these devices linked back to various home internet connections, managed by Amazon with the participation of third parties selling devices and perhaps in the future applications uh, that all communicate on this. And that's a very complex infrastructure. And that's where where you know, policies and assurances aside, you, you could see the potential for increased vulnerabilities or just things going wrong. Now, Amazon, without asking permission, is taking part of my bandwidth here. So I guess uh, and you got into this just a little bit, but uh, what gives Amazon the right to bogart my bandwidth and then just give it to other people? Oh, so we're always so shocked by what seems new and shiny. And this is new and shiny, right? Just, just I guess, like the Trojan horse. But look, companies use our internet all the time for our benefit or for theirs. Right? Over-the-year updates, including important security updates, they take bandwidth. 
then they're often automatic. Some even use their devices in a similar kind of distributed way. Or the micro cells that cellular service providers sell. You pay money to a cell company for a device that boosts your cell connection and potentially the connection around those around you. Or basic internet analytics. Websites and apps are collecting all kinds of information from our devices. That takes bandwidth. They're always uploading that information. This is using our connection without necessarily our clear knowledge. I'm not saying these are good or bad, just that we've lost interest in them because they no longer seem new. Now, ISPs are complaining about this, and it'll be interesting to see how they aggressive they are. I doubt they're going to harass their users, especially with 5G competition looming, but maybe they'll try to extract something from Amazon. Uh, this is an interesting set of facts, say for a claim of tortious interference with contractual relations by an ISP against Amazon. Um, I also wonder whether networks like this will raise some of the same concerns about net neutrality that prompted so many of the regulatory and court battles over the last couple decades about how to classify the internet. So there's lots of interesting, concerning stuff here, but we also shouldn't pretend that this is entirely new. And maybe this will encourage some reflection on this deeper world of sharing that in some ways we should embrace, in some ways we should be skeptical of. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like pushing back because they didn't ask me, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'll, I'll let your comments certainly resonate with me on that. All right. And one last question for you, Professor, and maybe this is the most important one. So if people out there are a little creeped out by this, I know there's a way to opt out. Uh, what recommendations would you have for people to opt out of this technology? Yeah. So there, there are instructions for devices that your, your listeners can find online. This would also be, I think, a really good opportunity, if, if that is a concern, to step back and think about, about their online privacy more generally. And there are some tremendous resources that can talk them through that as well. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, listeners, I've got a couple articles that we found in our research. They've got a couple of steps. So if you own a ring or you own one of the smart speakers, they got some uh, some instructions there. And I'll put those into our show notes for you to access. So, well, Professor, I really appreciate your time today. This is a fascinating conversation. Oh, that was my pleasure. And thank you listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please leave us the maximum amount of stars allowed in your favorite podcasting app. One more thank you to our sponsor, Nota. You can find them at trustnota.com forward slash legal. And that's Nota spelled N-O-T-A. And last but never least, thank you to our team, producer Molly McDonough and our LTN audio crew for slugging it out in style. Much appreciated. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. Oh, 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 oh,